Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Hey, just a quick message before we get the show started. We're reopening registration for our coach certification on October 7th. If you're someone that's had his or her life changed through nutrition and you're ready to give back, then this could be a great program for you. If you just want to learn and gain knowledge for yourself, this could be a great program for you. And whether you want to start a side hustle, a full-on business in nutrition coaching, or you just want to add this skill set to what you're already doing in your career, this is a phenomenal program. It's a six-phase course that ranges from the fundamentals and basics of nutrition science. We go into teaching you about setting and changing macronutrient profiles, creating custom nutrition plans for people. We teach you the art and psychology of coaching, and we give you a ton of practical applications doing sample check-ins. The best part of the program is that you will be paired with a digital mentor, which is one of our top coaches that will give you feedback throughout the entire course. Registration opens on October 7th. And if you're interested, go to workingagainstgravity.com forward slash coach hyphen certification, or just go to workingagainstgravity.com and click the become a coach button. And if you're on the fence, if you've been on the fence for a while, I highly recommend you sign up at this launch because this is the last time that we will have this price uh, in January when we reopen, it will be significantly more expensive. So if you're interested, check it out, workingagainstgravity.com forward slash coach hyphen certification. Hey, welcome to the WAG podcast. This is Michael Cashew. And today we're doing another special episode of the show where we highlight a WAG coach or staff member. Today I'm joined by one of our coaches named Jane Smith. Jane has been a coach for a number of years and she's also a coach training assistant. So we have our WAG coach certification where people train to become nutrition coaches. And she's one of the trainers that guides people through that whole process. She's like their digital mentor. In this show, we talk all about her experience as a gymnast, which took up a very large percentage of her lifetime so far. Uh, She started at age six and was immediately training for about four hours a day. She would go on to become homeschooled, training seven to eight hours a day, and eventually realized her goal as a uh, a collegiate gymnast. We talk all about how that influenced her both positively as well as the challenges that that exhibited for her, uh, including the way that she developed her relationship with food. We talk about how she eventually found WAG and the biggest lessons that she learned in that process, how she became a coach. And the biggest theme throughout this whole podcast was around transitions and how to handle our fitness and nutrition when we don't have a concrete goal or when we're shifting identities. Jane has been a very high level athlete over and over and over in her, in her life in gymnastics, CrossFit and weightlifting. And each of those have been followed by periods of time where as she's transitioning out and doesn't have a very concrete goal, she has struggled with her fitness and nutrition. And one of my favorite things about Jane and about this podcast is 
how raw and vulnerable she is. She not only tells us how she struggled in the past, but she's also so open and honest about how she continues to be challenged in these areas, which I think is such a great lesson because we go through challenging times very often. And I think it's voices like Jane's that give the rest of us permission to speak up about our own challenges. This was a suit. This is a huge joy for me to do and to connect with Jane. And I think you're going to learn something super valuable out of this episode. So without further ado, please help me welcome Jane Smith. Jane, what's up? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. So I know a little bit about you, you know, we've done, we've worked together for quite some time, um, but I'm, I'm really excited to get to know how you developed into the person that you are because you're a wonderful young woman and an amazing coach. And I'm just, I'm, I'm excited to kind of peek under the hood and see how you developed into the person that you are. And I know a really big part of your life was being a very high level competitive gymnast. So I thought we might start there. How did your gymnastics career start? So um, I actually got started when I was six years old. I originally started with cheerleading because my mom was a cheerleader and my dad was a football player and they coached cheerleading and um, coached football also. So I was on the sidelines doing all the cartwheels and backflips and stuff like before I was even five years old, me and wow. my sisters. <laughs> I know. And your mom, your mom's like teaching you that at the house or how did you learn how to do that? I was watching all the girls and me and my sister would be like, we want to try that. And we would be doing like back handsprings and stuff like on our head. And my mom would be so nervous and scared, <laughs> but, um, we were just, you know, they didn't actually teach us any of it. We just kind of went for it. Um, but she would actually go, I think, like a couple times a month or maybe once a week, she would go to a real gymnastics facility and I would watch those girls and I saw that they were doing more than just tumbling. So they were on the balance beam and the uneven bars and the vault. And I just got very curious and I really wanted to do gymnastics. So I um, asked my mom, I said, I want to do gymnastics. And she said, um, nope, you're going to do cheerleading. And I was like, oh, okay. But I was like five. So I was like, okay, it's fine. And then my coach, my soon to be coach overheard me. And she went up to my mom and said, no, I want her to do gymnastics. <laughs> she was watching me flip around all over the beams and stuff. And um, my mom thought, oh, oh, well, she just said that in front of my daughter. And now I don't know if I could say no. So <laughs> she probably had some words with her that you never knew yeah. about, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure she did because they were friends. So she definitely um, they definitely said something. But I started at six and yeah, I I really enjoyed it from there on out. And um, yes, that's pretty much how I got started. Got it. So how did it yeah. where did it go from there? So um, with gymnastics, you start at a very young age if you want to be like pretty good or if you just want to make it a serious sport. So um, at the time I was doing swimming and gymnastics because my sisters did swimming. I have two older sisters and I was just following in their footsteps, but um, it gets pretty serious. So I was at practice from 
4 to 8.30 at the age of 6, 7 at wow. night. Wow. Yeah, That's and crazy. it was four days during the week, and then it was 12 to 5 on Saturdays. So a lot of hours, <laughs> and my parents were like, you got to choose one or the other because you can't do both. Um, it's just a lot of time commitment. Mm -hmm. And so I chose gymnastics. I was like, I didn't like the cold water. I didn't like the deep end and swimming. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to choose gymnastics. Mm -hmm. So from there, um, we were training. I was uh, level four. You start like level four, and then you move up um, as you progress in skills. And by the time I was in seventh grade, I realized I really wanted to make my ultimate goal to get a college scholarship. And level seven, or I mean, seventh grade, so you're about 12 years old. And by 10, I knew I wanted to be a college gymnast, but I knew that I needed to make it an extra commitment if I really wanted to get like a full scholarship. At so 10 I years just, old, you're, you're thinking that far. Yeah, wow. I know. My husband is always like, I just don't understand how you knew that. And I think that's because we had a lot of good influence in our gym. And People were going off to college every single year as seniors, and I saw that, and I saw what they were doing, and I was like, I could do that. So they were where I am at my age, and if I just keep working hard, I'll get there too. Um, looking back, it definitely seems like I don't know how I thought like that. <laughs> I guess like it, you know, it's very young, but at ten, I was like, I know, I'm gonna do it. So in seventh grade, I decided to homeschool and I was doing a lot of hours in the gym. I was working out from 8.30 to like one o'clock and then we'd school from like one to three at the gym and then we'd work out again from three to seven. And that was if we finished our assignments and everything. Sometimes we'd be there until later if we didn't get what we were supposed to get done. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> just a lot. And yeah, we drove, I mean, my parents, they were definitely a bit, a huge part of this and I couldn't have done it without them, but my gym was 45 minutes away. And so they drove me there um, and back every single day. And um, yeah, it was just a, a very huge part of my life. And I homeschooled from seventh grade through 12th grade and then wound up going to college for gymnastics. Where, and where did you go to school again? Rutgers University in New Jersey. Which is a yes. big school. It's a, it's a yeah. huge university. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> wow. I had no idea it was that much training. It's a lot of training. Yeah. We'd go to like our events um, twice in one day. Yeah. If you were having a bad day, it was just, <laughs> you were on those events for hours. It was, yeah. it was rough. Just like making beam routines and bar routines mm. and learning new skills and the conditioning. So, yes, it was commitment. <laughs> what was the highlight of your career? Um, I would say that at a young age, there's this program called TOPS, which is Talent Opportunity Program. And you go through a conditioning test and then you go through a um, skill test once you pass, if you pass the conditioning test, um, you get to move forward and do these skill tests at um, the National Training Center with like where the Olympians train. And then from there you qualify just for a 
camp where you actually get to train with the national coaches. And you only get to have that opportunity from the years of nine, 10 and 11 years old. So it's very young. And as a, like I was able to do that as a 10 year old and an 11 year old. And I was, that was a pretty cool experience. But as I got older, making it to level 10 nationals and being a part of the national team was definitely one of the things that I worked hard for for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it was cool to see everything line up and get there right in my senior year of high school. So, yeah. Yeah, And then, of course, getting a scholarship. But of course, course. what does it feel like to have hit your your peak in life at age 10? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, it's been downhill since. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's been good. So looking back on that experience, how would you say that has shaped you? And I'm sure we could talk about this for hours, but what what really sticks out in your mind uh, when you think about how that experience shaped you for, for better or for worse? I feel like um, gymnastics is definitely a sport where discipline and dedication and perseverance are super important. You, it's a very, um, and it might be a little bit more changed now, but it's a very disciplined sport from the coaches too. So like there's no crying. If we cried, we got kicked out of practice. There's no talking. Like you can't talk. Um, if I remember one time, me and my friend were talking, we talked a lot and um, it's what got us in trouble the most. And we had to go do like 500 leg lifts on the bar, which are like toes to bar. Wow. And just because we were, we were giggling and then... Um, you know, a few other times had to do with like push-ups and hundreds of push-ups and just having to count out loud. And But those kind of things, I think they wanted to break us. And me and my friend were very strong, strong-willed at that point. So they weren't, <laughs> you know, they weren't going to break us in that way. But it's definitely very disciplined. So you, you learn how to be disciplined through that sport. And you're dedicating your whole day and time and even school, you know, to that sport growing up. So you learn how to sacrifice in other areas, such as like making sure your nutrition is on point or making sure you're going to bed. My coach told me I had to be in bed by 9.30. I was in bed by 9.30, like there was no arguing. You know, there you don't have social, a lot of like social obligations. So I couldn't like go skiing or um, ice skating or things that would put like, potentially injure myself. So um, learning how to sacrifice and dedicate myself to the sport was huge. It definitely hugely shaped me um, moving forward into college and post-college and (laughs) taught me that um, if I work really hard, though, that I can achieve the goal that I set my mind to. So that was great. Oh, that's awesome. Is there anything else that sticks out? Yes, I would say that with Nutrition, my mindset around nutrition, definitely it molded myself moving forward. But I think that um, that was something I didn't realize until after college or while I was in college. There were times um, when it came to nutrition that like and our weight and just how we looked in the leotard that our coach would weigh us every single day. 
and she would, you know, if our weight was up, she would tell us we had to lose a certain amount of weight before the weekend and just things like that. Definitely. I did was one of the lucky ones. I didn't come out of like gymnastics with an eating disorder or anything, which was great, but it definitely changes your perspective on the way food looks and not learning how to feel yourself as well because you're worried about how you look in a leotard. So things like that, for sure, were like, I would say a little bit of a negative aspect, but that it led me to where I am today. So I can't be completely mad about it. (laughs) Sure, sure. So say a little bit more about this. You know, when you're competing, obviously you have to be really dialed in with your nutrition and whether or not that's best for for kids uh, is not the scope of this discussion. So we'll just go to like what it was like for you in college and, and transitioning out. What was... How, how was that transition for you in terms of your relationship with food? So I guess when I got to college, I was always seeking, I was always trying to figure out how to feel my body. I knew what foods were bad and what foods were good or what I labeled as bad and good because that's not really a thing anymore since I've learned post-college. But I never knew how to feel myself for the amount of training that I was doing, mainly because in gymnastics, you're actually – you are doing a lot of strength work, but you're not burning as many calories as someone might think you are. For example, if you're doing a floor routine, that's a minute and a half. So it's in a minute and a half of tumbling and jumping, basically sprinting. Um, After you're done with that floor routine, you probably in a competition, you won't do anything for at least another hour or like 45 minutes. And your next event is going to be like a 30 second bar routine. So our training was very long hours, but we would do a tumbling pass that was maybe five seconds long and then we'd rest. So a lot of the registered dietitians in the college were kind of help trying to help figure that all out and give us advice in that sense. Um, But they were they never really understood exactly what we did. So I would always just be researching on my own, trying to figure that out. I would always fail. And I just kept gaining more and more weight when I was in college, actually, and active. And then when you, because when you also go to college, you're working out, you're training for three hours and you're doing strength work for one hour. Now, before I was doing eight hours of training every day, And um, so making that transition was pretty tough. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was (laughs) it was uh, definitely a battle, but definitely tried to get through it and just keep learning. I wish that we had something like WAG when I was in college, (laughs) but but there wasn't anything available. So that's why I try to give back and help all the clients that I can and especially athletes and um, college athletes through that all as well. So what led you to eventually find what? So after college, um, I did, I gained, in the process, I was there and I gained like the freshman 15. My senior year, I um, medically withdrew from gymnastics because I was doing some scale on the bars and I wound up um, like hitting my feet on the low bar as I was releasing for a dismount and I messed up my timing and I landed on my neck (laughs) and it was, yeah, it was not, not a great moment. Um, I had a bad concussion for a long time, but everything else was okay, thankfully. 
So I medically retired my senior year and I wound up getting um, ankle reconstruction surgery as well. You definitely don't walk away from the sport without a lot of Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so violent on your joints. Yeah, from a young age, it's, it is, but you get a high pain tolerance from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so between those two things, stopping gymnastics, um, having a concussion that lasted a long time and you can't do any activity with that, um, and then getting ankle reconstruction surgery a um, couple months later, I was totally inactive. Like, I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to get in a gym at that point. I was 22. I was been doing something every day since I was six years old. I just, I didn't even want to get on the elliptical. (laughs) I was on elliptical a lot. So I took that opportunity to just rest. And while resting, I still didn't know how to eat properly. And I wasn't um, eating a bunch of junk or anything, but I just wasn't sure how to feel my body during that time. So in all, I wound up gaining like 30 pounds over from my freshman year till I graduated. Mm -hmm. So I gained like another 15. What was that like for you psychologically? Oh, it was so tough. It was so tough. Growing up, you're, when you're a gymnast, you are the gymnast. So you're lean, like you have a six pack. You're always in a leotard. So like you always, you basically look like you work out and It's just something like people would always be like, I want to look like you and I want to be as lean as you, you know. So in college, I just struggled so hard with it. I would wear baggy shirts. I would wear, you know, loose shorts, sweatpants, sweatshirts, anything to like hide my body because I was very ashamed of it. It was very hard mentally, but I knew that once I was healed and once gymnastics was over and I could like really just find the workout training that works for me because during gymnastics um, you're kind of limited like you have to do what they tell you to and you don't want to do anything that might risk injury Mm -hmm. so I wasn't going to try these new things on my own like CrossFit or something when I had the potential of getting hurt and um, so I was optimistic but I was very discouraged um with how I, how far I let myself go and mm-hmm. how far I had to go to get back to it. So all of that to say that I wound up, uh, my sister started CrossFit and she was like, hey, like you have to try this with me. I think you'd really like it. And I was like, oh, I've heard of it. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go try it. And so I went and I tried it and I loved it because I loved being challenged. I loved sweating and breathing hard and (laughs) feeling like I was dying. (laughs) You were probably pretty Um, good at it immediately, I'm sure. I I was, but um, after so long of not doing a lot of gymnastics, I lost things like a basic pull-up, which is something I was doing since I was six, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, and they knew I was a gymnast. So that was another thing I had to live up to, you know, like, oh, you'll get it back. You're, I'm sure you'll be really good at it. And, and I was like, okay, yeah, (laughs) but like, but I don't feel like it right now. Yeah. Like I'm also like, I was like sitting at 185, like Mm -hmm. it was a lot. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. But it's going to take a while, (laughs) but it did like, I put in the work and, um, it was starting to pay off mm-hmm. big time. I 
was just going hard every day. And I started um, learning more about how like the paleo lifestyle, I guess you could say, I was learning more about CrossFit way of eating. Um, and then eventually my coach went to a, a mastermind in California. And I think you and Adi were there. Who was your coach? Um, Eric Bland. Okay. It was in 2015. I okay. Think. Yeah. The one where, where me and Adi met. Yeah. <laughs> Which I found out later on. I was like, that's so interesting. <laughs> so yeah, he went to that and he came back and he said, I think Travis Mash was there mm-hmm. or I don't know if he was there. He heard about it. He was it there. Yeah. He, said, he was. Okay. He said, um, you're like, this is how I think you're going to get to the next level is by focusing on weightlifting because we were working towards regionals and I did wound up getting like, you know, I think I, my best finish was like 90 something in a few of the workouts in the region. So we were trying to figure out how I can get better to get to actual regionals before they changed all the rules and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> not a lot of people went. Um, so I started looking up his programming and that's when I stumbled upon the um, eat what you want, lift what you want program. <laughs> and that was the weightlifting programming by Travis and the nutrition coaching by WAG. Mm-hmm. So that was in 2015. And me and my um, then boyfriend, but now husband, both did the program and we couldn't believe like, I thought that when I first got the macros uh, that he gave me so many carbs and I was like, this is not going to work. You are making me eat so much. I was, like, I didn't say that because I was very much a, um, what my coach says I'll do kind mm-hmm, of person. Mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> gathering that. I'm gathering it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very like all or nothing. I was like, I'm paying for it. I don't know. This person knows. I'm going to give it my all. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, but at least we tried. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it gave me like 200 grams of carbs, which now doesn't seem like as much, but then I don't know how much I was getting. It wasn't 200. And I was like, Hey, more food. I'm going to eat it. So I was doing all of that and I saw great results. And I realized that it was more about fueling my body for workouts as opposed to trying to change my body composition. Mm-hmm. When I was fueling my body for performance, I had a mindset, mindset change. Um, my body changed because of that mindset change. My training increased um like my performance was so much better my strength was more i was just amazed (laughs) so that's how i found wag (laughs) that's so cool what was your what was your biggest lesson during that time when you first found wag basically that carbs were fueling my workouts and i think at the time i thought fats were fueling my workouts and i think that was common coming from a paleo background Mm -hmm. and there's definitely nothing wrong with that i mean you have to find what works for you but i was it wasn't what worked for my body and i was so heavily concentrated on eating more fats and limiting my carb intake Mm -hmm. when i was training for an hour and a half a day or more um and so that was definitely a big thing it was more about feeling myself um that was the biggest lesson i learned instead of focusing on the scale because I wound up only losing 
one to two pounds in like four months, but my body composition changed so much and my strength went up. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was definitely a wake up call. I would yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah. That's massive. Uh, I yeah. think at this point the, the jig is up a little bit. Like I think the functional fitness and CrossFit community understand what you're saying. Um, I was telling Taylor this a couple of days ago. Uh, my sister sent me a screenshot of a, like an Instagram post that this restaurant made from where I grew up, like super, super small town. And it mm-hmm. said it had like steak and asparagus and something else. And it says, and like maybe potato and it said macros friendly meal macros <laughs> macros so everybody knows about the macros they don't know quite how to how to say it but uh, people are coming around to it that's too funny yeah yeah because usually it's low calorie or something right yes. but they macros, honestly they right. might think that it means the same exact thing right yeah <laughs> That's too funny, but it is a lot more common than it was back in the day. (laughs) So what then led you to want to become a coach? So it's funny because I was always very passionate about nutrition, like I said, in gymnastics and in college, just trying to figure out um, how to eat healthier, how to have more energy. Um, I never had energy in my training working out eight hours a day before college. um, And I was just, I didn't understand I was very malnourished, but again, I wasn't educated on how to stay lean and eat enough. Um, So I would just be Googling everything all of the time. Um, And when I was in college, I remember reading something that said, if you find your passion, like think of what you do during your time off or in your free time, like what do you do the most? And I was like, well, I feel like I Google nutrition things all the time Mm -hmm. but in my head i was like i'm like 175 pounds 180 pounds i was overweight i was a gymnast and who was gonna take advice from me you know Mm -hmm. so i didn't i was felt like i knew a lot but i didn't know enough but then in the back of my head i was also like i don't look the part and i don't think that anyone would take advice from me so I realized that when I was finally going through WAG and felt really great and almost like, I guess, quote unquote, achieved my goals in some sort where I got my health back after college, I just wanted to pay it forward. I felt like I had a lot of experience um, going through someone who was fit to someone who, you know, lost, I mean, their sport per se, because I medically retired and didn't really choose to retire and then gained a lot of weight and then I don't know I figured it out and lost the weight and tried to maintain the weight so I figured a lot of people I could relate to and I just wanted to get them to the point where they were able to get their questions answered because I wasn't and for so long and I just wanted to be able to help answer those questions and not necessarily see them lose a bunch of weight, but see that mindset, like change of like, I get it. Like I understand that food is fuel and I want to feel my best and the rest will follow. So that's when I decided to reach out and ask if WAG was hiring. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, even if people can't completely relate with being a super high level athlete and then not being 
being one, uh, like is your story. I think everyone listening can relate to at some point feeling or, or right now feeling like really uncomfortable in their bodies and trying really mm-hmm. hard and struggling. Like you, you tried for years and struggled against it. And then you found what works for you and you stuck with it. And that is just such a huge example of what's possible for people. Right. Right. And I also feel like it's a very um, common misconception that even when you figure it out or quote unquote figure it out, that you will have this answer for the rest of your life. Like you will have this one set of macros and you've got it done. Like it's figured out. And the more that you are involved in the like coaching aspect of it. And then as a client myself, or just like in my own journey, I realized that is not the case. It's not black and white. And we need to continue to adapt our nutrition to our season of life or just depending on where we are um, on our journey. Mm -hmm. And that's something I really try to explain to my clients because I've actually was very lean and then I thought I had it figured out like I could stay with my cut macros forever and had no idea that I needed to eat more than what I ate to lose weight. And I wound up gaining like 10 to 15 pounds back over time. And I just had no idea what was happening. And then I had to figure out how to get back down and figure out how to maintain. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's an ever, ever going on journey. Like it just goes on and on. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that you said that. I'm starting to, th- to think about it this way. Like it's not you, you, our weight and our body composition and our nutrition are not, there's no destination. There's no like right. when I lose this 15 pounds, then I'll be happy. That's the wrong way right. of thinking about it. It's a lifelong thing. It's an active process. We're always going to be eating. And so it's yeah. always going to be changing. Right. And mm-hmm. so all we have to do is just focus on our habits and our behaviors right now. And if those are in line, the outcomes will probably be pretty pleased with them. But focusing mm-hmm. on only the outcomes or overly focusing on them, it messes with our abilities to stay consistent with our habits and our behaviors that that help us be healthy. Right. Yes. We all think that um, we can you know, keep our meals structured and like only have our nutrition in the main focus to be our health. But like you said, it's our habits and our behavior. So if we're not taking care of ourselves by doing self-care or sleeping eight hours a night or putting exercise as a priority, if that's something that um, helps keep you accountable and feeling good, the rest is just going to fall out of place. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you can only work on one thing and think that's going to be the answer forever and then let everything else just fluctuate or fall apart so that is great because you always have to eat (laughs) that was a good that's a good thing right there because and you have to figure out how to eat in every situation of your life whether Mm -hmm. you're 20 30 40 a mom you know pregnant postpartum dad you know Mm -hmm. any of that kind of stuff so yeah So you're going through another big transition. You're starting to transition out of being a competitive weightlifter. So you have a lot of experience doing this, like being super competitive and then moving on. What's what's this process been like for you? This one um, probably has been the toughest process because I, when I switched from CrossFit to just weightlifting, I 
did so mainly because they everyone was telling me that I'd be good at it. And I had fun with it, but I wouldn't say it was as um, fulfilling to me as CrossFit because just like gymnastics, you can always do something different. There's so many different skills. Um, it's like if you didn't like one thing one day, you can work on something else that day or you know, um, I also liked being out of breath and dying after workouts. And um, so with weightlifting, you only do snatch, clean and jerk, and then some accessory work like push presses and squats and stuff. And so it wasn't as fulfilling, but someone told me that I'd be really good at it. So I decided to go for it and give it my all because that's how that's it what goes. That's what you do, yep. <laughs> so that's what I do. Ten years um, later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so I actually did, um, I did really well. I qualified for American Open, my first meet. I think my husband was like, oh my gosh, like you qualified for American Open. That's awesome. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Like I just <laughs> went out there and lifted, like it was fun. But, and so I just kept getting, like, I just worked to get stronger and stronger. My goal was to get to nationals. Um, I wound up qualifying for nationals and, um, by the time I got there, I feel like it's just like everyone says you get there and you've reached, like you've worked hard for this goal. And then it just wasn't as fulfilling as I wanted it to be. I don't know what it was. So I felt like I was burnt out. My body was hurting so much, um, just from you know past injuries and um it just wasn't you know i was going through some stress like a little bit so it it just was taking a toll on me mm -hmm. so i wound up taking a break and just kind of did what my body wanted to do but during that time i was like i don't know what to do like i've been told what to do for working out and with goals and stuff for so long i just had no idea what to do i think i was doing 400 meter walking lunges for like every day i was like i don't know i was like this really hurts i'm just gonna do this and, it was, and that was it and um so i did that for a while and then i was like you know what i'm over it i'm going back to weightlifting so i went back to weightlifting that's a good that's a great way to like convince yourself to get back into something you don't like anymore like just do something really terrible yeah. and boring <laughs> Go run a marathon and then you'll appreciate like the sport again. Anything, yeah. <laughs> I have thought about that actually. So I went back to weightlifting and did the comeback thing. I was like, I'm on it. And then I wound up competing and I was like, I just don't get excited to compete. Like I would hit a PR and it just wouldn't, I don't know what, there must be something wrong with me. It just wouldn't be satisfying. Um, not like... I don't know, not like getting a PR and like getting a new skill in gymnastics or getting a PR in a workout that you like really worked hard for, um, something like that. But anyway. Well, I mean, if, you know, if I, if I got a PR in like dart throwing or something like that, like yeah. I hit a couple of bullseyes, I'd be like, cool, but I don't really care. It just sounds like yeah. you didn't care. You didn't care about yeah, it anymore. Which, which sounds terrible. Um, but I guess I just didn't have a why because someone told me I'd be good at it. And mm -hmm. that's why I did it. And so I wound up like just being like, okay, listen, I've been a competitor my whole life. And I just feel like I'm over um, making sure I do this 
XYZ four to five days a week and putting training as a priority. I was like, I'm 20, I think I was 27. And I was just like, I want to see what life is like when I don't put like a sport as a priority, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wound up coming, taking a break again. And then I did, I went back to CrossFit and it felt good. But then people got in my ear when I started doing good at CrossFit again. And I went, they were like, your lifts are looking good. I went back in again. Can you believe it? I don't it's know like one I'm of those thinking. relationships where you just keep breaking <laughs> yes. up with each other and you know you're not good for one another anymore. I know. My husband was like, oh, he's like, if it's what you want, you know, like, but like in the back of his head, he was like, oh my gosh, not again. Please. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did. I gave it another try again. And, um, this time, I think I um, jumped into things a little too fast. I I did really well. Actually, my first meet was the first time I ever went six for six. Um, I was one of those people that would like only make one of each lift. And it was like when it counted because I liked the pressure. <laughs> and um, I went six for six. And then I was trying to, you know, keep it going. And I just kept getting these like um, tweaks in my back and then tweaks in my shoulder and tweaks in my trap and after a while, I was like, it's just, I don't know if it's worth it to be in constant pain. And I just finally need to like, let it go. And I feel like, and so that was back in, um, like just recently, like November, mm-hmm. I've been doing good, staying away. Nice. <laughs> Corona helps. No, yes, yes. No, I've, I've been good. Um, I've been trying to figure out how to get my body healthy again and just feel good and figure out how to move because I want to move and I want to feel good. Not because I feel like I have to, um, and not because I want to like lose weight or keep my weight down or, um, any of those reasons I had to figure out how to work out for life. And that was, that was really hard because, it just took me a long time to get to a point where I wasn't like being told to work out. And so I just didn't know how to get myself to do that. And then the nutrition aspect of it steps into play. So when you're a weightlifter, you're always watching your weight. And it was just, it's just a big part of the sport, obviously. And you need to make sure that you're eating well to get yourself fueled while staying within a certain range of weight. And If there's one thing I did learn, it's that um, the scale is definitely not a priority um, because I've looked just as lean at 150 as I did at like 160. Um, Just because when you focus on putting on muscle, um, it's going to you're going to put on muscle Mm -hmm. and the scale is not like going to dictate whether you are overweight or underweight or anything. So so when it came to nutrition, that's where I started to really struggle because I have a very like all or nothing um, mentality when it comes to tracking and I couldn't find balance. So I would be very strict six to eight weeks out from a meet and I would, um, you know, dial it in and be on point with my weight, no problem. And then after the meet, I would just like not pay attention like eat more and I would gain and I'd fluctuate like that throughout my whole weightlifting career. It was, um, something I definitely struggled with. So when I came out of weightlifting, I decided to focus on intuitive eating. And this is another 
weightlifting scenario where I just, I knew what I needed to do when I tracked. And so I would want to track and then I would start tracking and then I'd go for the all or nothing mentality and get a little crazy with it. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to track. And then I wouldn't track. (laughs) And then I'd be like, wait, I just want to, I'll dial it in for a few weeks and then I'll, you know, I'll get back to it. But eventually I did stop tracking and it's something that's an ongoing battle. I definitely feel like I um, do better when I don't track just because I really have to get in tune with my body and figure out why I'm doing it. Just like with exercise, I am doing it because I want to live a healthy life and I want to feel good, not because I need to be a certain weight on the scale or have X percent body fat or something like that. So that transition definitely is still happening and it's going really well so far. Um, but there are some ups and downs that come with that. So yeah, it's been interesting. Hmm. I so appreciate your vulnerability. Like you're just so open about not only what you've gone through, but what you continue to go through. And I just want to honor and acknowledge like one, it takes bravery and two, every person can relate to you in some way, you know, like whether that's a nutrition or not, we're all going through something like all the time and the bravery that it takes to, to acknowledge that that's happening currently. It's just, it takes a lot. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) So, um, I also want to acknowledge that for you, intuitive eating works best. I think partly because you've spent so much time tracking and paying such close attention to, to what you're putting in your body. And at this point, you know, like you can, you can eyeball and estimate what your body really needs. And like the next level of evolution is, okay, like now I know how many grams of each each type of macronutrient I need per day. I know what that looks like out in the real world. Now I just need to like really feel into what my body needs on a day-to-day basis because it's probably changing. Yes, for sure. Um, I was tracking on and off for five years. So I could definitely look at anything and say like, I can give you the macros on so many things. Um, but I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't track. And I always tell my clients um, whenever they feel burnt out, maybe from tracking or, or maybe they're, they're feeling a little bit like they don't know what to do next. I, I tell them that tracking is a tool. Um, It doesn't have to be forever, but there are people out there who love to track every single day, um, every single macro, and they feel really great doing that, but it is definitely a tool. And if you, utilize it correctly, you can figure out like you'll learn what a serving size is and you'll learn maybe your body does need more carbs and more food than you think it does. Um, Maybe you were very surprised when you first weighed one serving of peanut butter because I know that I almost cried when I first weighed a a serving of peanut butter. It's a very disappointing (laughs) amount. I was like, uh, you're saying that two heaping tablespoons is not a serving size with the big spoon in my drawer. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's very humbling. (laughs) But yeah, it's not. And then I tell them that it's not forever either and that you can find balance. There's a time and a place for tracking. And I think that it is such a great tool that can um, really just set you up for so many great habits in the future. Mm -hmm. It just 
it just helps you become more aware um, of the quality of food that you're getting in. Um, maybe your food choices when eating out, um, maybe it gives you some answers as to what might be hurting your stomach or causing you to be more inflamed and um, so many things. So yes, intuitive eating, it works for me now, but it definitely took a lot of years of tracking and figuring out what works best for me to get here. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that it's like I do intuitively eat and listen to my body, but I also have an idea of what like a day of food looks like for mm -hmm. myself. And um, when life happens, I know how to navigate it, like travels, social situations, etc. And but like on a normal day, yeah, I still follow the same sort of guidelines that I did when I was tracking, just eating more or less, depending on how I feel. I love that. A couple yeah. of quotes come to mind when we're talking about this. One is what gets measured, gets managed. So by getting really into the details of what we eat, we learn how to grow awareness and actually manage our nutrition and our body composition. The other one is you got to learn the rules before you break the rules. So intuitive eating is like a level five and tracking is somewhere maybe a level two or three. And like most things, like most progressions, we don't want to skip steps. We want to master all of the steps. And then when we when we go to the higher level, we transcend and include. We don't throw them away, we, we include them, but we also have a higher level of perspective and we don't always have to use the tools that got us to the uh, place in the first place. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I also like to tell people that it's also to help you make sure you're fueling yourself enough. So many people think that tracking is just to lose weight or um, lose body fat or whatever it might be and they might be embarrassed to tell their friends that they are tracking, but if they tell them that they're trying to make sure that they're eating enough and enough of the right foods that help them feel their best, mm -hmm. that just changes the whole perspective of it from someone else's that's just like viewing someone weighing their food and not understanding why. Um, so yeah, just goes off of what we're saying. <laughs> so in closing, um, is there one piece of wisdom or advice that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Yes, I guess in most things, consistency is definitely key and you build on that consistency from day to day. So it's not that you have to be perfect every day. It's just that you have to try one new thing each day and build on that every single day. You put one foot in front of the other and just keep moving forward. Um, another thing too is sometimes we all try to have a very close up perspective on our lives and whatever we're going through. But if we take a minute to just take a step back and see like the bird's eye view, we can really see a lot that's going on. Um, example, if you're focusing on your nutrition and you're only seeing nutrition, but you take a step back and you see that there's stress in your life and you're not sleeping well and your water intakes off or exercise. Um, just remembering that there's a lot more to the story than what we're only focusing on. So that's that. That's great <laughs> advice. And yeah. I'm feeling very quotey today. Another one that comes up <laughs> is I think, I think someone named Tim Urban said something like this, uh, an extraordinary feat is just what a series of mundane tasks looks like when you zoom out. 
So it's basically like any great thing that ever happens in life. It's just like you're just laying brick after brick after brick of, of just being consistent consistent and putting and doing these mundane tasks like tracking your nutrition, getting enough water, sleeping enough. And when you do that for long enough, you can accomplish something pretty great. Yes. And you don't see it happen right away. It's you got to look at the whole journey and see that, oh, it's been happening while doing the same thing every day or building on something every day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's great. Awesome, Jane. This was a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. (laughs) All right. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for joining us. Stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on Instagram at workingagainstgravity. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and refer a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.